As a member of this church and a follower of, of Jesus Christ, Chuck Carroll has just expressed to us what he believes and what he commits to do in light of what he believes. So I want to ask you this morning, I want to pose the question, what do you believe? What do you hold on to so strongly because you are confident, you are absolutely certain that it's true? Friends, this morning, it is time to believe. That sounds like a political pitch from a presidential candidate, and we we still have quite a few of them, so uh, take your pick. But I'm talking this morning about something far more sure, or potentially far more sure than the future of this nation. I want to talk to you this morning about your future, about my future. You see, the scripture states that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, God's one and only Son sent to us, shall not perish, but will have eternal life. I don't want to perish. I want eternal life. And it sounds so simple, just believe. Yet something so simple that is often misunderstood. So what does it mean to believe in the one and only Son of God? What does it mean to receive salvation? How do we receive salvation? And the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at together this morning, I think, answers those questions. So I want to invite you to open God's Word with me today to the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts, and we will be uh, in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Today we begin a new message series titled, Be the Church. This is a message series that we'll be in for the next five weeks, and I believe that uh, through this series we will look at some of the most central, the most foundational, the most important truths uh, for us as Christ's church uh, today. And I want to be up front with you. My hope is that in five weeks, on March 20th, that we will be able to stand together as a church and say, yes, this is what we believe, and this is who we are, and this is what we will be about as God's people known uh, here as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. The question that we want to answer this morning is, is what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What did John mean in John chapter 13 when he, when he presented the gospel in this way? And whoever believes in this one and only Son of God shall not perish but have eternal life. And so the central, most foundational, most basic truth that I want us to see this morning is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Church, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And we don't want to miss this truth. Don't miss this truth because if we miss this truth, then we have missed the boat. And you and I don't want to miss the boat when it comes to our eternal salvation, when it comes to our eternal destination, when it comes to our position, our status before our Maker. So as we prepare to read from Acts chapter 2, remember that Jesus has been crucified on the cross in the place of sinners. 
By the power of God, he's been raised from the dead. And the opening verses of this book record how Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to his followers and he said to wait in Jerusalem. Stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember that Jesus was going to depart. He was going to leave them. He said, but, but it's for your own good that I leave you because I'm going to send my spirit. Wait here until my spirit comes upon you and then you will be witnesses to this truth, witnesses to the truth about Jesus and Jerusalem and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And so Jews and converts to Judaism are gathered together in Jerusalem at Pentecost for the celebration of the wheat harvest. They've gathered together to acknowledge that God is the provider of, of all things. The disciples are together, the believers in Jesus, the followers of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit indeed suddenly descends upon them and crazy things start happening. They begin speaking in languages other than their own and people who've come from other regions of the world to Jerusalem to worship God are hearing what they're saying in their own language. And so you can imagine they have a ready-made opportunity to speak the truth to the crowds. Peter, who was never at a loss for words, took advantage of that opportunity to speak to thousands, to declare this central truth to them, that salvation is indeed by God's grace, and it's through faith in Christ. For Jesus is the Savior, He's the Messiah, He is the Lord. And so we pick up the story here in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 36, the conclusion of of Peter's sermon. So let me invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 36. Peter said, "Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah." When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Father, we pray that you would guide us now by your spirit, that you would lead us to rightly interpret and understand and apply the truths of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You know, there are some significant days, some key days in the history of the world that would uh, be neat to have witnessed uh, it would be neat to be there the day that the new world was discovered in 1492. It would be neat to be on there on the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776 or perhaps on May 8th, 1945, VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, when the Germans surrendered to the Allies. But I'll tell you what, I would love to have been there on this day. The day that the Spirit of God descended upon the first followers of Jesus and Peter preached a sermon and 3,000 people were added to the church. The church grew 
exponentially by the power of God from 120 believers to over 3,000 people in just one day. And you have to give Peter credit here. This one who often put his foot in his mouth. Peter was not afraid to preach the truth concerning Jesus on that day. You know, it's one thing for us to stand and to tell people about the Jews and the Romans in the first century, two millennium ago, to, uh, about uh, crucifying Jesus, killing Jesus. But it's another thing entirely for Peter to stand before thousands of devout Jews and say, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Messiah. Indeed, the crucified Jesus is both Messiah and Lord. So Peter stood up to tell the audience, to tell Jews who had gathered together to worship God that this Jesus whom they had crucified just weeks prior to this was indeed the Messiah. He was the long-awaited one. He was the one who was and is the hope of Israel's future. And not only was he that, not only was he one sent from God, he was himself God. He is Messiah and he is Lord, a title that was used for God time and time again in the Old Testament. And so so Peter is telling his audience, Jesus is the Messiah and he is God. And, and oh yeah, you crucified him. You killed him. Whoops. Peter had to know that what he was presenting was going to polarize his audience. On one hand, they were either going to declare him a blasphemer for declaring that Jesus was God and want to stone him, or the other response was that their eyes would be open to the truth and they would believe this message about Jesus. There There was no middle ground. It was one or the other. Have you ever prepared to say something that you knew was going to be met with a strong response? Peter had to know that that what he was about to say was going to rock the boat a little bit. He knew that listeners would be angry and some would want to kill him. But the reality is, according to the Word of God, that the truth about Jesus demands a response. The truth about Jesus, His identity, who He is, demands a response. The gospel is the message that the Creator of the world has come to us as a creature and lived among us ultimately to to give His life on a cross in our place, to die a death that, that we deserve in order to give us a life that we don't deserve. Church, that is a, a wild message. That's a wild message that demands a a response, and no one will respond to that message if they don't first hear that message. People must hear the message. You know, the gospel is not an easy message to to tell to unbelievers. It's not an easy message to proclaim to to unbelievers. And here Peter stands up and declares this message, boldly declares, confidently, stands upon this message in front of many devout religious Jews who are unbelievers in in Jesus. And he stands up and proclaims this message not knowing how his audience will respond. 
And likewise, today, church, people need to hear this message so that they can respond to this message. But as we are faithful to to the instruction that has been given to us, not only to respond with repentance and faith to Jesus, but to declare this message, to proclaim this message to the world, we don't know how people are going to respond to this message. This is a message that demands a response. And that response is, is not up to us. In order for there to be a faith response to the message of the gospel, the truth about Jesus, people must hear the message. And secondly, the Spirit must convict of guilt. The Spirit of God must convict the hearers of the message of their guilt before God. Look back at verse 37. We read that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. In other words, they were convicted over what they had done. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I'm convinced that this is an extremely important component of what it means to believe in Jesus in the way that John was describing. This is an extremely important component of what it means to repent and turn to Jesus. Yet I think this is something that is so often overlooked today. Because time and time again, the record of the New Testament and the example of early believers implies that believing in Jesus is is more than just mentally saying, I think this is the best option. Or I've weighed my options and this seems to be what my friends are doing or my family's doing or perhaps this seems to be the most comforting truth or seems to maybe provide the best possible outcome. It's just sort of like a a child saying, and I've alluded to this before, I could give many examples of this, as I'm sure many others could as well. It's just sort of like a child being forced to say I'm sorry or saying I'm sorry simply because they know it will get them out of trouble, but not really meaning what they say. I recently had the privilege of hearing a a friend of mine tell uh, her testimony, tell her story of how she came to faith in Jesus. And like many of us gathered this morning, she grew up in church and she heard stories about Jesus and she watched her friends uh, who were baptized uh, in the church. And so one day she told her mother that, that she wanted to be baptized, that she wanted to join the church because she really loved Jesus. And her mother responded with something profound. Her mother said to her, Tommy, that's, that's not enough because you also love me and you love your brothers and you love your sisters and you even love your friends. And she said to her daughter, she said, you aren't ready to be baptized or join the church until you look at Jesus on the cross and your heart is broken because you know that it is your sins that put him there. There's an element of believing in Jesus, of responding to Jesus that realizes deep conviction over our sin and what God has taken on for us through His Son sacrificed on the cross. It's the kind of conviction that David spoke of in Psalm 51 after he had been confronted with his sin of murder and adultery. He cried out to God, have mercy on me, O God. 
according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Church, people must hear the message of the gospel if they are to respond to the truth that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And they must be convicted by God's Spirit. And thirdly, hearers must respond to the message. They must respond to the message. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter's response, believe the message. Either believe this message or you don't. Perhaps another appropriate title for this would be the tagline of the Ripley's Museums. Believe it or not. Either believe the truth about Jesus and it reorients your life or you reject it as untrue. There's no neutral ground. There's no middle ground when it comes to responding to Jesus. The reality is that God loves us so much that He has revealed Himself to us through His written Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ, making Himself known to us. He values us. He cherishes us. That He gave His life for us that we would know His love, that, that He would be known by us and that we could live forever with him. And this is a wonderful, undeserved gift for all of us. The gift of salvation is for all. The gift of salvation is, is for all. Look back at verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. All hearers of the message are offered the message. All hearers are offered God's gift of salvation. The message is not just for the religious. The message is not just for those that are listening who are old or who are young or who are rich or poor, male or female. No, this message is for everyone. The message is for all. All hearers are offered God's gift. Yet you must believe in order to receive God's gift. It's not a gift that is automatically applied to you because of where you're from or who you know or who raised you up. This is an individual, personal decision. All of us are responsible for how we respond to this message. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the time to believe, church, is According to Peter right now, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Church, the gift is received through repentance and faith expressed through baptism. This gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins is received through repentance, turning away from sin and embracing Jesus as Lord and then expressing that Faith, that identification with Jesus through the outward physical act of, of baptism. Repentance and faith. I think that's what John was communicating in John chapter 3 verse 16. By believing in Jesus. Sometimes we see in the New Testament that these two things are mentioned together. Other times it's just faith. Other times it's just repentance. But the two things go hand in hand. 
Repenting, turning away from a life of sin, a life ruled by self, and embracing Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior. And it's not the outward act of baptism that saves us. That's not what Scripture is saying here or elsewhere. But the outward act of baptism is a declaration, a proclamation of a life that has been saved, a life that has turned away from sin and embraced Jesus as Lord. All those who come to Jesus and who repent and believe in Him are given the gift of salvation. And they are also, we see here, given the gift of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to all believers. Look back at verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just a gift that God gives to the elite. It's not just... A gift that he gives to super spiritual people. It's not a gift reserved for preachers and teachers or even for Pentecostals. No, the gift of God's Spirit is a gift for all who repent and turn to Jesus for salvation. Given to all believers at conversion. We also see here that God's message is for every people group and every generation. It's a message for all. Not just those who are like us. Look at verse 39. The promise, Peter says, is for you and it's for your children. And it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's a message for every people group, for every, every generation. The message that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone is for all people. And finally, we see through this passage of Scripture that the time to believe is now. Friends, the time to believe is now. Is now. Before you sort of tune me out for preaching too long today, I want you to see how Luke records the conclusion of this sermon in verse 40. He says, With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them. In other words, he's only recorded a portion of what Peter said, but Peter went on to warn them and to plead with his hearers, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And the reason that he went on to plead with them to proclaim this message of truth with conviction is because their eternity was at stake. Church, our eternity is at stake as well. And determined by how we respond to the truth about about Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what what matters. What matters most in life. What matters most for, for our lives is what we do with Jesus Christ. So friends, let me urge you this morning and Conclusion, as we draw this to a close and apply it to our own lives as God's people today, and perhaps as others who have not responded to the truth about Jesus, turn to Jesus today. Turn to Jesus today. Repent of your sins and a life of sin and follow Jesus. Repent of your sins and, and follow Jesus. Turn away from sin and self in your own way and embrace the truth about Jesus. Follow Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. And perhaps today, that maybe for the first time that you turn to Jesus, receive justification or, 
righteousness before God, declared innocent, receiving Christ's innocence in exchange for, for your guilt, secure in his arms forever. Perhaps there are others who certainly have responded to this message of repentance and faith before. And the reality is, as long as we live on this earth, as long as we walk in this world, we continue to sin, we continue to struggle with sin, we continue to go our own way. And so we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called again and again and again, day after day after day, to repent of our sin and to follow Jesus as our Lord. Church, the time to believe is now. Let's repent and let's follow Jesus. Father, we pray that you would guide us now as we respond to you and the truths of your word. We thank you for the opportunity to to gather once again in your name and to open your word, to sing your praises, to declare your greatness. Father, we do acknowledge this morning that your message, your story, the story of the gospel, the story of salvation by your grace that's received through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, for that story, for that message. And Father, we pray that that story would be impactful in each of our lives gathered here this morning. Father, as we respond to the truths of your word, as we respond through song, as we respond through prayer, as we respond through repentance and identifying with you, would you lead us and be glorified in us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.